The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, new collaborative strategic directions at the American Foundation for the Blind and the American Printing House for the Blind. Welcome to ACB Reports for April 2019. Russell Schaefer of Bentonville, Arkansas, is the chairman of the board of the American Foundation for the Blind, which is headquartered in New York City. Craig Metter is president and CEO of the American Printing House for the Blind in Louisville, Kentucky. During the annual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind in July 2018, They explained how their dialogue has resulted in the streamlining of the functions of both organizations. I am not Craig or Russell. Uh, My name is Ann Durham, and I'm the Vice President of Marketing and Sales for the American Printing House for the Blind. Now, I've had that job for about a year, but prior to that, I worked for nine years at the American Foundation for the Blind, and both of those organizations have a very special place in my heart. So I'm very pleased to be here this morning to moderate a conversation with Russell and Craig to tell you about a very important partnership between our organizations and the importance of partnership for all of us in achieving our goals. Helen Keller said, and if you know this, you can say this with me, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. That's right. Both AFB and APH have recently adopted new strategic plans that were actually very complementary, and so we're going to take this opportunity to tell you about how our work is having a bigger impact on our goals. I'll start with Russell, and Russell, can you tell us about AFB's strategic planning process and their new directions? I first just want to say thank you to ACB. This is my first ACB convention, and what a wonderful experience. Thanks to all of you for making me feel so welcome. A quick shout-out to our wonderful AFB staff who are here, Aaron, Lee, and Mark. Um, They go without any further need for introduction, but just really, really grateful to have the opportunity to represent AFB. So when we think about what we are all about at AFB, it's really simple. Our mission is to create a world of no limits for the 25 million Americans who are blind or low vision. Uh, As you think about that number, 25 million, that's a number that's only going to increase. And as you know, as that number increases, we're also in the midst of a changing world, a changing landscape. The way of work is changing. uh, The way of interacting with technology is changing. Education is changing. The world around us is changing. In order for AFB to be well-positioned, to be able to create a world of no limits for people who are blind to low vision, we need to change as well. That led us two years ago to embark on a a journey of a new strategic plan. We talked with stakeholders, we talked with educators, we talked with employers and employees who are blind, we talked with many of you, people who are blind and low vision yourself, to help bring in information to help shape our new strategic plan and direction. We introduced our strategic plan about a year ago in June 2017, and through all of our conversations and a thorough review of our expertise, it really led us to this position 
all framed by the question, what can AFB uniquely do to create a world of no limits? Uh, that led us to really lean in and focus on three key areas around research, policy, and partnerships, as well as to emphasize uh, a focus on advocacy and change around the social systems uh, that need to be improved in order to create that world of no limits so people who are blind and low vision can achieve the American dream. Our efforts have been centered around areas of education, employment, and aging, and I'll talk a little bit more about those in, in a, here in a minute, but I'll um, yield to Craig so he can tell you a little bit about what's going on at APH. APH, AFB, uh, we have been joined at the hip since the beginning, it seems like. If, if you, you historians, and please feel free to correct me if I am wrong, but when you look at some of the historical data, one of the big things that APH does is we have a very robust studio, and we do a lot of the recordings for NLS, all of which was a gift from AFB many, many, many years ago. Under AFB leadership, they had a, I guess they didn't call it strategic plans way back in the early 1900s, but they had a strategic plan session where their leadership said, hey, if we are really going to address the issues facing blind adults in America, we have got to streamline. And at that time, they had the studio going. They were doing talking books. So they reached out to APH at that time, back I believe it was 1920, around that time, and said, would you consider taking on this very important mission? To which APH said, yes, we will take on talking books as part of our mission. So last year, when we finished our strategic plan, we acknowledged that we had done some things very well, and that was basically providing educational materials for students K through 12. But we also realized our board said, we have not hit all aspects of our mission. And our mission was not just to work with students who are K through 12th grade. If you look at our charter, it says all blind people. Cradle to grave. And so our board challenged us saying, why are we not in that space? And what could we be delivering both to adults as well as to families and little ones who are just being diagnosed and being identified. What are we doing and how can we fill those gaps? So that was a bit of a, a perplexing thing because whenever you start into a new venture, there are always a lot of costs involved. It's, it's never, a, you know it as you pick up a new hobby, uh, whether that be crocheting or whether that be, uh, you know, birding or whether that be whatever. New hobbies cost money. Yes, they do, as golfers will attest, you know, and then they continue, unless you're a really good golfer. Fishermen, you know that as well, too. It's that you always got to have that new lure. Well, anytime you start a new venture, there are significant startup costs. So as we looked at to birth the five and adults and transition age students, we knew there were going to be some really extensive startup costs. And a lot of that was just finding an audience. So when Kirk reached out to me, uh, from a AFB last year and said, we are streamlining our mission. And we were wondering if you would take on some of the pieces that we have done with our mission. It was both a kind of a, a divine appointment, I like to think, and then the other piece too is, was an incredible gift of websites that were well-trafficked and well-used by people in this field, as well as the university press. 
So it was an incredible gift. So we just today, pretty much all of those things transferred over to APH. APH will now be running the former uh, AFB family of websites, Career Connect, Vision Aware, Family Connect, BrailleBug, and the resource services. Access World will stay with, under, with Lee and with uh, AFB, but also the University Press, all those wonderful books and materials that have been used for decades to train teachers and rehab counselors who work with blind and visually impaired, all of that material will now be handled by APH as well. So it is an exciting time at APH. I'm so thankful for, uh, once again, this partnership. And the beauty of all this is just because we are taking on these responsibilities, fortunately for us, AFB is not doing a, a drop and run. They're not just saying, here you go, see you later. Their goal is to stay connected with us and to continue breathing into those websites. And this will be the shared partnership. We will be the stewards of all those sites and those uh, uh, training books. And we will rely heavily on, on AFB as we move forward through the years to keep this a very active partnership and to keep promoting and pushing and uh, supporting the field. So we're very thankful for that. So I want to ask Russell a question. I'm sure that this question is all in your minds, that uh, we know that the largest group of Americans affected by blindness and low vision are actually older people who are experiencing it for the first time. So tell us a little about AFB's plans to ensure that this growing population has the services and the tools they need to live independently. Thanks, Anne. Like you said, as we think about the continuum of people who are blind and low vision in, in the U.S., we need to think about children entering school, but we also need to think about uh, people who are aging into vision loss, uh, as well as people who have vision loss onset uh, early in life who are getting older themselves and are combining some of the mobility challenges and other things that, that come along with aging with uh, vision loss that's, that's been in place. So, like I said before, 25 million Americans today who are blind or low vision, 70 25 million baby boomers are uh, aging uh, each and every day in our country, many of whom are going to progress into vision loss as a result. When you think about that and you look at our system of services today, Medicaid, Medicare, private insurance, many of these systems of support do not provide adequate support for low vision therapy and assistive devices that older Americans with vision loss need. Moreover, we know through research that only 2% of older Americans with vision loss are fully benefiting from and using the services that exist for them today. That's why AFB is really committed as part of our public policy initiatives to commission and drive forward a collaborative national coalition on a 21st century agenda on aging and vision loss, working with partners across the country to advocate for policy in four key areas around aging and vision loss. Increased funding for support services for aging and vision loss, an increase in the number and quality of professionals providing support services, a recalibration and coordination of services and supports to more effectively and efficiently manage these 
services, as well as an increase in the availability and access to low vision devices and assistive technology. Uh, for instance, we are working at AFB with physicians, allied care professionals, and others in the field to help ensure that they have a full scope and understanding of the services and supports that are available and needed by aging Americans with vision loss. If you want to get involved with our 21st century agenda on aging and vision loss, I would encourage you to go check out more of the information at afb.org aging uh, and find out how you can get involved. Okay. Another big issue I know that's on your mind is employment. And both AFB and APH are working on that issue from different directions. So I'm going to ask Craig, um, when it comes to preparation for employment, how is the education system playing a role right now? All right, so this is bringing it to the home stretch right now. We are, um, I, I, I won't say aggressive, but we are getting very active uh, in Washington with talking to senators and representatives about the need um, to better support educational services in the United States, and I know that's, that's dear to everyone's heart. And this goes back to the federal quota program. For those who aren't familiar with the federal quota, we receive a chunk of money, and we're very grateful for that, from the federal government every year, which allows us to then distribute that to the states, and then the states are able to um, get products, textbooks, software, hardware, whatever a student might need for their education. The problem with that is it's not enough money. If you look at the, the amount of that money, it runs roughly about 300 bucks per student. And for those who have assistive technology devices in front of you, you know how far $300 goes. You can't even get a, a Perkins Brailler for $300. You might get an adapter. You might get a box of paper. You can get some good stuff, but it's, it's not enough. When you look at what the average high school student, if you take your typical 10th grade sophomore level student, and uh, those students might be in math and science, your textbooks alone are going to probably run you about $25,000. You throw in your laptop, your accessibility software, your refreshable Braille device, and the costs get astronomical. We launched a campaign this past year with Congress called Keep the Promise, and it's very aggressive. We basically are looking to triple our congressional donation within three years, within five years, excuse me. This year, by uh, actively and aggressively having conversations and moving those discussions forward, we were able to increase, uh, thanks to Gary Mudd and the work of his team in Washington, D.C. We did see a, a nice increase of $2 million for the quota program, which is a good first step. Um, we asked for an $11 million increase. We got two. Next year, we will ask for an $11 million increase and hope to get closer to that number, but we're going to keep asking and keep pushing. Our goal is to raise $1,000 per student. Now, that's pretty ambitious. When you look at our 40-year history of quota, we've been averaging about $300 a year per student. So we have some very lofty goals. We have a strategy in place, and we're hoping with the support of ACB, with the support of talking to, uh, if we could encourage you all to reach out to your representatives and your senators and say, hey, support 
APH, support this mission, raise the amount of quota, we will be, then be able to, in turn, provide more materials and actually allow students to have all the tools they need within the classroom to be successful and have a fair shot at education. So that's my little sales pitch as I shut it down for today. Um, again, I do want to thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for all the support ACP has provided APH all these many years. It's a uh, real pleasure to partner with you. And... Um, it's just fun working together with people who have like-minded missions. So thank you. And we have just a couple of minutes left at the podium, so we're going to take that and let AFB talk about what they're doing on the side of employment. So I'll let Russell, and he's got a unique perspective on that working at Walmart. So, In addition to my role as chair of AFB, I also work as the Director of Culture, Diversity, and Inclusion for Walmart Incorporated. Um, each and every day at Walmart, we are focused on the future of work and the changing work environment. And what I love about AFB is that we're focused on that too. We're focused on what is the future of work. How do we help ensure people who are blind or low vision know what that is, know their place in it, and have the skills to be prepared to embrace it? The World Economic Forum says that 75% of primary school age kids today will have a job in the future that does not exist today. So when we think about a world of no limits, there literally are no limits to what the future of work looks like. So at AFB, we're really focused on what can we do today around structural systems, working with employers through AFB consulting to ensure that technology is accessible and inclusive for everyone, that workplaces are free of unconscious bias that gets in the way of people with disabilities uh, entering the workforce, but also as people uh, lose their vision as a course of their life, uh, people like myself who uh, went blind as a result of retinitis pigmentosa right in the middle of my career, how do we ensure that people who progressively lose vision do not lose the opportunity not only to work, but to continue to advance in their careers? Through AFB, we are piloting uh, a series of employment summits later this fall, which are going to focus on upskilling and developing skills in four key growth areas of our economy, banking and finance, healthcare, information technology and government contracts. Uh, again, as we think about the future of work, I really truly believe that AFB is well positioned to help ensure that people who are blind and low vision have the skills that they need to enter and succeed in the digital gig economy and that the workforce is ready for us. Uh, one last thing I will share that is a measure of great pride for all of us at AFB and I think uh, is for everybody in this room. We all know and love Helen Keller as one of our great champions of our cause throughout the course of her lifetime. One of the most significant pieces of work that AFB has done in recent years was just done last month, which was to fully digitize the entire archive of Helen Keller's life collection. When Helen passed away in 1968, she bequeathed more than 160,000 items of her personal collection to AFB, many of which, as you can imagine, due to their fragility, have never been able to fully be accessed or experienced by a broad public. Um, today, I'm proud to say that at afb.org slash Helen Keller Archives, you can access all of Helen's collection in a fully accessible, inclusive manner. Uh, the interface is accessible. 
All of the documents have been transcribed. Uh, they have uh, captioning on all of the videos as well as audio description on the videos. To the best of our knowledge, this is the first fully inclusive and accessible digital archive of its kind for people who are blind, people who are deaf, people who are low vision, people who are hard of hearing, and people who are deaf blind. There's a wonderful article in the Washington Post about it. I encourage you to go check it out. This is really a seminal moment for our community and one I hope you all will rally behind and help spread the word. So thank you for your time this morning. I know we're out of it, but thank you very much. This presentation by Russell Schaefer and Craig Metter was recorded on July 2nd, 2018 during the Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind in St. Louis, Missouri. You can listen to ACB Reports, the ACB Braille Forum, and the eForum by phone. Just dial 605-475-8154. That's 605-475-8154. Want to enjoy ACB Radio but have no computer? It's all there for you by phone. Call 605-475-8130. That's 605-475-8130. The long-distance charges and minute usage of your calling plan will apply. The Audio Description Project of the American Council of the Blind is seeking nominations for the 11th Annual ADP Awards. These awards recognize outstanding contributions to the field of audio description. Nominations are sought in the categories of Achievement in Audio Description Media, Achievement in Audio Description of Performing Arts, Achievement in Audio Description of Museums, Visual Art, and Visitor Centers, Achievement in International Audio Description, the Dr. Margaret Fansteel Memorial Award in Audio Description Research and Development, and the Barry Levine Memorial Award for Career Achievement in Audio Description. Nomination materials, criteria, and more information can be found at acb.org ADP. All nominations must be received by Friday, June 7, 2019. Recipients will be announced during a plenary session of the Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind and at the Audio Description Project Conference. These conferences will be held during the week of July 5th through 12th, 2019 in Rochester, New York. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports. ACB Reports.